Welcome to the Total Health Evolution Podcast, where we discuss exercise, nutrition, and lifestyle tips to help you live a healthier, happier life. And now, your host, Derek White. Hey there, how's it going? Welcome back to the Total Health Evolution Podcast. Today marks episode number 22 of the show. And after the last episode with the dabbling chef, Andrew Brancini, I started getting these really random notifications on Periscope of all places. All right. I never get notifications from Periscope out of all the social media sites. Periscope never pops up. All right. But at first I thought it was one of those spammers because, you know, those guys can kind of get you from any and every direction. And I finally took the chance and opened up one of these notifications. And I'm really glad that I did. It was this daily show called Go To Kitchen. And it was our good friend, Andrea, let me know about somebody who shared some really good content. And her name is Leslie Nance. Before I go any further, because I really don't want to ruin the interview, but this lady survived cancer. And not only that, she's glad that she went through it. And just to think about that, just put that into perspective. Somebody went through something as just traumatic and just life-threatening as cancer, and she's glad that she went through it. So that should give you some type of idea of what kind of person she is I mean, that's it takes a really different mindset to go through something like that and still come out and look back and say you know what i'm glad that i went through that but before i get into the interview i want to share a quick tip with you i have a tendency to put life's lessons with just about anything and i really think it's a southern thing we always have to compare something really random and just try to make it fit but anyhow i have three dogs and the littlest one her name is tiffy she tickled the mess out of me the other day, all right? She has a really bad case of little dog complex. <laughs> Seriously, if you had to think about it, think about a little brown dog. She has to be chihuahua mixed with like caterpillar, but she's little furry and just fat, all right? And she likes to yap a lot. But I swear, when she looks in the mirror, she'll see this big, powerful Rottweiler or something, all right? And as smart of a dog as she is, if there is something to chase, she's after it. I don't care if it's a mosquito. She is chasing that thing. And this concerns me. So there are times when I'll put her on this little tie down just to keep her nearby and make sure she doesn't run off and hurt herself. So this other day, she saw another dog walking by and she absolutely hightailed it. Just full blown sprint only to be stopped abruptly by this tie down. All right. Which worked out for the better because a car drove by right around the time that Tiff was going to go out there and kind of do her thing. But just like the inner big dog she is. She just sat there, huffed and puffed, and just stared the other dog down. Just like, I'm going to get you. But I couldn't help but laugh and just look at her as she's just sitting there. And she's just reevaluating the entire situation because now what she wanted was completely out of reach. The dog was long gone down the street. Now, all of this made me think about goals and ambitions, of course. Whenever we have something we really want, we tend to have big dog complex. And that's not always a bad thing. I'm one to tell you. I'm all about being overzealous, focused, and driven, and chasing after your goals. But the reality is, sometimes we bought off more than what we can chew without thinking about things fully. And just like Tiffy and the little tie-down, life tends to snatch us back to reality. It just happens that way, all right? But just like Tiffy, you don't tuck your tail and run off. That's not what you do. You don't just give up. You keep your eyes set on what it is that you want until you get it. That's what you do. Now, to keep it going and make sure that we clear Tiffy's name, she is a little fat, fuzzy alarm clock, all right? That's what she is. She's just an alarm clock. Her goal was simply just to run up to that dog and bark really loud. That's what she does, all right? Hey, but that's her goal, and you don't judge her, all right? Let's get to today's interview. Have you hit a fitness plateau? Let us help. 
Total Health Evolution provides online fitness plans customized to fit your needs regardless of where you are. It's time to feel confident in your appearance and take the guesswork out of the fitness journey. Visit TotalHealthEvolution.com slash GetFit to get started on your customized plan today. Going, everybody. If you haven't noticed lately, I've been trying to push more towards having guests who can pretty much bring something to the table. And and this episode is more of a it's a little bit more literal. All right. So today I have Miss Leslie Nance here with me, and she came to me by way of Andrea Brancini. If you remember the past episode, I interviewed her. She's a dabbling chef, and they kind of got me into this whole movement thing where. We're talking about doing things pretty much in your own house, like cooking for yourself and just focusing more on what you could do at home in terms of cooking, shopping, and things of that nature instead of a lot of my normal rants, which are usually along the lines of making sure that if you do go out with your friends and you socialize and you're uh, you're being smart about your food choices and things of that nature. But they got me into this whole movement of wanting to do things more at home. So trying things out, pulling up recipes, you know, those normal things. So <laughs> definitely gotten away from that. So without further ado, I want to welcome Ms. Leslie Nance to the show. Hey, how you doing, Leslie? I'm good, Derek. How are you? Uh, I could complain, but it wouldn't help any. <laughs> but, uh, can you please tell everyone who you are and what you do? Sure, yeah. My name is Leslie Nance. Um, I am the founder of GoToKitchens.com and the creator of Kitchenatomy, a 10-step kitchen detox among other things, soon to be author as well of a new cookbook. Um, and I am a real food guru and a, a kitchen coach. I mean, I help people navigate through their kitchens and help them fall in love with their kitchens. It's my specialty. I really like that whole fall in love with your kitchen thing. I think that's really cool. And I really like the, what do you call it, a kitchen coach? Yes, yeah. Somebody, <laughs> somebody called me that a couple of days ago, and I was like, well, that sticks. I'm That's totally what I am. That's what I do. So, yeah. You definitely need to hang on to that one. <laughs> it's good, right? <laughs> right. And I find that a lot of people who are now in the wellness-based careers, they didn't really start there. Um, I know people had uh, previous careers and uh, the legal field, medical field, uh, advertising field, things of that nature. And the more I kind of probe a little bit, I find that the reason why they they decided to transition to more of the, the wellness industry is because there was always something in the back of their heads. Maybe they lived their life a little bit better or they had a, just some type of life-changing experience. It was something that drove them to say, no, this current career isn't what I want to do. This isn't really my calling. This is the wellness industry is where I belong. And I'm just kind of curious, which one of those do you fall under? Were you one of those who it was always in the back of your head or did you have a life-changing experience? Well, I call them light bulb moments. Um, but yeah, I mean, I had a life-changing experience. I was, um, I, I had a perfect life. It was, I had a beautiful life, a great relationship with my husband. We had a small business that was going really, really well. We were making money, doing very well, traveling the world. And um, I woke up one morning and found a lump in my breast, and that changes everything very quickly. I actually looked at my husband that morning and said, this is going to change our lives forever. And he was like, well, we don't even know what it is. He was like super calm and chill, and I was like 
freaking out, bouncing off the walls. And so it was, it was a life event for me that changed absolutely everything. And it's been, you know, it's been the most wonderful experience. If you can believe that, if anybody could ever say that cancer was a wonderful experience, it has been the most wonderful experience of my life. And I would not take it back for if, if they, somebody gave me a choice, Leslie, to never have cancer or to have cancer that you had, which would you choose if you could do it over? And I have to tell you, I would pick the cancer route knowing what I know now every single time. So I think that's really, that's really empowering just because it's more the, the way you look at it. Um, I'm one of those who I like to preach to people, especially whenever they come to me with problems. They're going through different things in their lives, and it seems like the end is always just dark. And I try to get them to understand that the sun is always brighter after the storm. Mm-hmm. And, of course, that could be taken literally, but when you apply it to life experiences and you're going through things, it's all about the, the way you look at it afterwards. And I think that's really empowering that you taking something like cancer and saying that, you know, <laughs> it's kind of odd to say that you're glad it happened type of thing, yeah. but it's uh that's that's really empowering to me. Yeah. But why so much focus on the kitchen? I mean, I know you discussed cancer, uh, the way your life was before, but when you made the transition from your previous life, your previous career, and everything else, and you had the life changing experience, you went specifically for the kitchen. Hence the name Go To Kitchen. And I ask because we live in a society where people are seeking more of the instant gratification. They like being served. So everything is Uber this, Uber that, you know, everything is being brought to you. Uh, You go and you pick up your meals and it's all of this going on. So it's almost like being in the kitchen is more, it's old, it's ancient, it's dinosaurish, it's traditional that we've moved past it, quote unquote, but you're encouraging people to get back in the kitchen and not only get back in there, but fall in love with it, get comfortable, get comfortable with it. And I'm just curious, why is that? Well, I mean, I really feel like that everybody's health journey starts in one place. There's only one place that your health journey can start, and that's in your kitchen. I mean, I I know that you do a lot of fitness and training, and that is a great step for people, and I also encourage that as well. But the kitchen is such a huge part of a health journey because, honestly, I think that we are addicted to these conveniences. We're addicted to being served. We're addicted to having um, people, you know, make our food for us. But at that point, you're putting somebody else in the driver's seat. And you are no longer in the driver's seat. So you can't control your ingredients. You can't control your caloric intake. You really are depending on somebody else telling you how many calories you're taking in, which I don't talk a whole lot about. But you're you're depending on them for your nutrients. You're depending on them for uh, the way that they prepare the food and ingredient selection. And my goal is to put you or whoever back in the driver's seat where you control your own ingredients because Really, the kitchen, if you think about it, is the most social place in the house, right? When you have a party, where does everybody go? The kitchen. The kitchen. And so making it a social place again, making it a place that you love to be and you can't wait to get to when you get home is my, like, driving goal. And I've helped I've helped thousands of people at this point um, find their passion for their kitchen either again or at all, ever. <laughs> so, and, and it's, you know, and I do it in a super practical, fun way that doesn't make you, it, it 
it drives you to it where you're like, gosh, I just have to try this or I want to do this. And, you know, and we make it easy at GoTo Kitchen. So I think that's pretty cool. One of the biggest things, and it was one of the biggest motivators for me just to change the name of my company. Originally, it was D. White's personal training. I never expected to do it full time and do it for the rest of my life. And when I when I wanted to change the name, I needed something that really identify what it is that I was trying to accomplish with my clients and the name total health evolution stuck because that's what I want people to experience. So pretty much to piggyback off of what you're saying, I wanted people to start becoming more independent with their fitness journeys because I think that's really important. And I know there are little reservations about, you know, putting together your own food and you have Dr. Google out there that's given so much misinformation <laughs> that a lot of people don't know exactly what to pinpoint and say, this is the right thing. This is exactly what I need to do. So uh, throughout their period, even if they – one of the things I want my listeners to understand, so if you're listening, even if you do decide to hire uh, a nutrition coach, a dietitian, or if your physician assigns you an eating regimen, you need to make a point to do exactly what Leslie is saying is to get to that point of being independent where you're not dependent on someone else to do it for you. That way you're in charge of what's going on. You're in complete control of your body and your happiness. Mm -hmm. Now, Leslie, I have a question. Just because, uh, just thinking about how the world is now, and society has kind of pushed people to live these really fast lives, and life happens. People are lazy. That's a reality. And sometimes after a long day of work, they don't want to go home, and uh, they don't want to go to the kitchen. Uh, some people may look at the kitchen as just another place to do work after they've already committed eight to ten hours of work throughout the day. So, a lot of times they may opt for the nearest restaurant or Uber Eats is really popular out here in the Austin area. I'm not sure if they're everywhere, but I'm, they're pretty popular out here. Mm -hmm. uh, so just from your experience and just as an expert in this area, do you feel like there should be some type of ratio or balance that people should follow when it comes to eating out and cooking for themselves? Because, like I said, of course, life happens. And one of the things I'm real big about is – I would rather you put something in your stomach than to continue going on without anything in your stomach. So I don't want people to feel like, okay, if I can't cook in my kitchen, then I'm just not going to eat. So do you feel like there should be like a ratio or balance or should it just go back down to good old discipline and meal prepping? So I, that's a great question. I love this question. So honestly, I believe that it's relative to how much somebody is already eating out. If you're eating out 100% of the time, I would love to see you go to 50% of the time, right? So right. I, I think that I think one of the things that we get mixed up in um, when we make a decision to make a life change, right? So I've decided that I'm going to exercise more. I've decided that I'm going to eat well, or I've decided that I want my hair to be longer or whatever it is. We go into this black and white mode where it's all or nothing, right? We either... We either go all all the way to one side or all the way to the other. Either we're going to eat, you know, perfectly perfect all the time or I'm just going to eat like junk all the time. And so I think that this is I think this is dangerous. And I actually instead of calling it, you know, I said black or white, instead of calling the middle gray, which is not very attractive. Right. I call it the colorful okay. middle. I call it I call it walking down the colorful middle because honestly if you are caught out and I get caught out I'm busy I'm incredibly busy and so I get caught out sometimes where I don't have like the perfect food in front of me but I don't stress about it because the stress that I incur over not eating perfect food 
um, is more dangerous than the imperfect food that I'm consuming. So I just, I just roll with it and try to make as good a choice as possible. I did read a statistic the other day that said 40% of Americans, 40% of Americans eat at home less than three times a week. Oh, wow. Now that's a statistic and that's a needle that I would like to move. <laughs> I would gotcha. like to see that needle move and that statistic change. Um, wow. because that is, this is why we're sick. This is why we have autoimmune. This is why we have, uh, you know, uh, weight problems. This is why we get cancer. This is why all of these things is because we are putting somebody else in the driver's seat with our food. We are not electing to be in charge of our own ingredients. And so we're letting somebody else drive that for us. And so I think it's relative. I don't think that um, if you have a lifestyle that says, you know, look at I need to do better, but I can only eat at home half of the time, right? I can only eat at home at dinner and I have to eat lunch out because I don't have time, you know, whatever. And I'm with you. You should eat. <laughs> I mean, you should, right. you should absolutely eat and try to make as good a choices as possible. Um, but I do allow myself guilty pleasures. I don't, you know, I am just, I just refuse to live in the black and white. Even as a cancer survivor, um, I, I live down the colorful middle. And if my Aunt Pat makes my favorite chocolate cake at my grandmother's birthday party, you can guarantee that I'm going to have a piece of that chocolate cake. So <laughs> it's just, you know, it's just living in that balance and not, not abusing yourself or oppressing yourself, right? It's just right. down this beautiful balance. And, and it takes time to learn this. This is not something that comes, you know, this is not an inherent trait in most of us. We have to, we have to learn how to be this way. It took me two years to learn how to be this way, to not one, one pendulum swing stress about food and other pendulum swing go, you know, forget it. I'm just, I'm sick of doing all of this, you know, <laughs> it's, um, yeah. And I, I make it, it's not really a joke, but I, in, in my bio and somewhere, I think it's on my website, actually, I list out all the different kinds of diets that are out there right now, you know, paleo, uh, gluten-free, blah, 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 just all these different terms that we hear and buzzwords. And I say, it's no wonder that the majority of us think that chemotherapy is easier than a healthy diet. Because wow. it is so confusing. So, you know, so taking your time, understanding that it is an event. It is not an event. It is a process. This is not an event. This is a process in your life where you need to learn these aspects and find people who empower you, which I try to do. Find people who empower you to make good choices. So, and people like you, you know, connecting with those people and, and, you know, having them as mentors, if you will, um, to help guide you. I have mentors that help guide me through this process. So, yeah. I really love listening to other professionals in the wellness industry talk about having that balance. And I say that because, like you said, people either go one way or the other. And I can't tell you how many times that I've sat down with people and they were talking to me about how they were living their lives now and how they just couldn't eat that cookie because just eating that one cookie after eight months of not touching a cookie at all will just somehow make them blow up and gain an extra 80 pounds within the next five minutes. <laughs> so I think it's really important for people to understand that, you know, you can live a little, you can have those guilty pleasures, like you said, and you can really live your life because ultimately that's what's going to keep you consistent. That's what's going to make you feel human. And, make you a little bit more passionate when you know that you have that balance of 
if I want to have the slice of cake, I can have the slice of cake, but you have to maintain that balance. You know what I mean? So I think it's uh, a lot of my clients have found it a little odd at times when after a couple of weeks, they tell me that, you know, hey, I've went to the store and I'm embarrassed to say, but I feel like I have to tell you I ate a cookie. Like, great. How was it? <laughs> like, was it delicious? Uh, you know, was it ooey and gooey? Like, I mean, how was it? So, um, and then when they inquire about why I'm not upset, and it's because you have to have that balance. And the point that you get to uh, that level of I can't eat anything except for X, Y, and Z, that's when you run the risk of binging. And that's when it's really not healthy. Mm-hmm. Uh, and on the lines of talking about being healthy and the way you want to live, I know when we spoke over the phone, you mentioned that you want to be live to be 120. Which I got a chuckle to myself even after we got off the phone because you are very specific. <laughs> 120. So it was not like in the ballpark. It was 120. So, <laughs> But outside of just living an active lifestyle, do you feel that cooking at home and growing your own food and things of that nature, do you think that really contributes to living longer? I do. And everybody chuckles when I say that. It's a, you know, it's funny because I was just at a family reunion and I actually, um, I actually learned that the women on my dad's side of the family and some of the men, but mostly the women were extremely long lived. And this, I had stated this goal before I found this out and I got all excited. I was like, I'm totally doing this. I'm going to live to be 120. So, um, I just, that's just a nice round number. I would take 121, 125. That's fine, but 120 at least. So, um, but no, I do, I do believe that, um, I do believe that there is a, you know, I, I like to say this and it's, it's so simple, but your body is your vessel. And I, sometimes I call it your spaceship, you know, your body is your spaceship and you have to respect it. And it's the only one you get. And if you thought ever that if we use a car analogy, let's ditch the spaceship and go to the car, which is another analogy I use all the time. But if you thought that you only got one car for your entire life, if you got one car and that car had to last you for you know 60 years or whatever, you would take the best care of that car that you possibly could. So why are we not doing that with our bodies? I mean, these are our vessels. These are what we move through this life in. And so having the best of the best, you know, taking the very best care of it, before I take care of anybody else or anything else, I take care of my body. And people think that that's selfish, and it's not. Because it is, if I'm at my very best and running at my optimum levels all the time, then it makes it easy for me to take care of people around me and be what, you know, be everything that I can be. So I do think it's I do think it's awesome um, to live an active lifestyle. One hundred percent, you should be moving your body every single day, in my opinion. Um, even if it's you know, even if it's not focused movement, like or intentional movement, but at least you know, oh my gosh, I haven't exercised. I should go for a fifteen minute walk. You know, just moving your body every single day, I think, is important. If you have the capability to grow your own food, oh my gosh, first of all, I'm so jealous because I totally, one of my big picture goals for go-to kitchens is to have a farm. I want a go-to kitchens farm where people can go and like stay and retreat and learn about food production and learn how food is made and where we get it and what organic means and, you know, all that sort of stuff. That would be like a big, huge dream for me to have that kind of place. So, um, so yes, 
And then I live in Colorado. We are big on nature. I live in a very healthy community, probably a lot like you do in Austin. And um, people are outdoors all the time. And I think connecting, getting away from our devices, and I know you're all listening on a device, I'm sorry, but um, getting away from our devices and getting out in nature and looking at a tree, literally hugging a tree, like we make fun of that, but literally hugging a tree and saying, thank you for the shade, you know, thank you grass for being green. I mean, and connecting with our planet, which is also our home, um, is, is really important. And it's good for your home that you live in, which is your body. So we all have houses, but your home is really your body. So taking care of that the best that you can um, gives you that ability to live gracefully into your well into your hundreds. Um, I and I it's not a joke actually, but I plan on being a hundred, and I plan on having my eyesight, my hearing, my teeth, my hair, my vision. Oh, I already said that. Um, my mobility and. And if I, you know, really a sex drive would be awesome. So that's, and those are my goals. I mean, that's my goal. So, yeah, I plan on that's doing it. Awesome. There's a, I saw on the news uh, a few months ago. There's a, a nurse. She's a registered nurse. I can't remember exactly where she is, and I probably should have thought about that before I brought it up. But uh, she's 92 years old, and she's still working mm-hmm. as a nurse. So things like that are it's, it's kind of mind-blowing to me, and it, I think it speaks volumes about what it means to live a healthy lifestyle and just the longevity that's attached to it. Mm-hmm. Like, for example, she still works 20 or 30 hours a week at 92 years old. So right. It's, uh, and she she definitely pays homage to um, the people who introduced her to the wellness lifestyle, and she feels that was a major part in why she's able to live so long and not just live so long, but she's still active. Right. So it's, uh, it has to be crazy to be that person at the cash register and check her ID and see that she's 92. <laughs> <laughs> she probably has more energy and can outrun just about anybody else. Awesome. But, uh, Love it. And I really do like that, uh, that, um, using the car as an example I, I i don't think it could have gotten better than that i think that was one of the best examples i could have heard of comparing the body but i think that was really cool okay. uh, i'm a really big advocate and i almost too hard on parents right, <laughs> when it comes to taking charge of the kids nutrition and their their healthy lifestyle and i say that just because you know we're definitely in an age of massive protest <laughs> and uh there's been uh I've seen parents outside of fast food restaurants. I know they send nasty grams to uh, the hires that be at these different fast food chains, and they take the time and they have the passion enough to to go out there and they hold up their signs and they have the passion to develop these petitions and write these letters and send it up to CEO Ronald McDonald and say, look, I don't like the food that you serve because it's unhealthy and my kids, uh, I want them to be healthy. So one of my biggest things is, okay, if that's how you feel, why don't you go home and cook? Right. <laughs> so if you don't like the food that uh, Burger King is serving, don't go there. Just go home and, and eat uh, and cook. But I'm just curious, just because you do put a lot of emphasis on uh, going back to the kitchen, kitchen and you even uh, called it just a social place. I mean, you put a lot of emphasis on going back to the kitchen. I just want to know what are your views on why parents should favorite kitchen cooking versus going out to eat and things of that nature, like microwavables. And there's a lot of other little ways that parents kind of get around doing the cooking. 
And I just want to know your views on why parents should get back into the kitchen. So I have a lot of parents that follow me. And um, because they watch, because I, I broadcast every day, it's like, you know, it's like a TV show. I mean, I'm on schedule. They watch my broadcast. Um, and if, by the way, if you want to watch me, I'm on Periscope, but uh, at GoToKitchens. But, um, but they watch me on a regular basis. And now that it's summertime, there are a lot of kids home, of course. And I have been getting story after story about their kids watching with them. And their kids are watching the program or the show, whatever you want to call it, and the broadcast, whatever. And, um, and they're like, Mom, that, that's so cool. We should totally try that. And I have to tell you that it really – I'm super passionate about this as, as well because as children grow, the junk that some people put into their children's bodies is setting them up for immediate failure, they are, as they go through puberty, their endocrine systems are being disrupted. Um, they're having social issues. They're having learning issues. They're having behavioral issues. And I can tell you, I, I firmly believe, and I've read study after study, that I believe that, you know, 98% of that comes from what a child is eating and what the parent ate while the child is being formed and so forth. So it starts way before the child even gets. It starts at conception, really, and goes all the way through the child's life. So being mindful of this, I think, is so important. And I think it's super cool when parents allow their children to be in the kitchen and kids are more likely to eat something that they've made with their own hands. It's a, it's a scientific fact. If you teach a child how to cook and you trust them how to cook at an early age, um, then, and a lot of people are like, oh, well, I would never give my kid a knife to, you know, they can't chop or whatever. Okay, if they're three, no, you don't give them a knife. But if they're five, start teaching them knife skills. Start, start teaching them now how to properly handle a knife. You know, you give them scissors to cut paper. There's really, you know, you can teach them how to handle a knife properly. So mm -hmm. teaching them kitchen skills at a very young age, I think, is so important. And I have to tell one story, then we can move on. But my aunt, who is an amazing woman, her name is Holly. She's she is my uncle is my dad's brother. And so she's my aunt-in-law. <laughs> she's, she's this amazing woman that I've always looked up to. And she's, uh, she's older than me by a few years. And she is, um, she's this amazing, she looks, she's just beautiful. She's, she never ages. Like, she's never gotten older. I'm like, when are you going to get older? So, um, but when she was, this was back in the late 80s, early 90s, um, she was having her children. And she was giving her babies carrot sticks and celery sticks and cauliflower to chew on instead of, you know, Cheerios and stuff like that. She would cut up cauliflower and, um, and she was feeding them real whole foods. And I have to tell you, my entire family made fun of her. I mean, some people even called her like, oh my God, she's so hippie, you know? And, and at the time I didn't realize what she was doing, but now hindsight being 2020 I admire her so much because she is kind of like a pioneer for this right I mean this was before it was cool to do this and um, and her children are amazing they're like almost scholarly these children and their their family is super close and they her kids are in their 20s now all of them all three of them and the family still goes everywhere together and when a girlfriend or a boyfriend or a husband or wife comes along into the family they that 
they go with them. And it's not an expectation. It's just what they do. And it's, I think it's because they form this bond at such an early age. And I love, love, love their example of her nurturing them that way, them being amazing people as they got older and this bond that they share with one another. So it's, it's, I think it's so important to teach your children early and feed them amazing foods, you know? I mean, it's, we love them in every way possible, right? We buy them everything that they want. We take them everywhere they want to go. You know, we do, we cater to them. So why not cater to their vessels, to their bodies? It's just as important as, you know, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. It's just as important or even more. So, yeah, I think it's incredibly important, obviously. <laughs> it's very important. And I like the way you painted a full picture, and don't apologize for telling a good story. That was uh, that was amazing. It's just, to me, it just it says so much about um, pretty much what you stand for, and it ties directly into that story about how the kitchen is a social place and how it can pretty much uh, grow its roots everywhere else and the family, as well as just the growth from being a kid all the way up until an adult. Yeah. Absolutely. It's really important. Now, you have courses, detoxes, and challenges within your business. And to tell you the truth and be completely transparent with you, I'm usually against challenges and things of that nature. And just to be clear, it's just because of the way a lot of them are kind of promoted. All right. Mm -hmm. Um, And there's a lot of these different diets out there. There's the cotton ball diet, the orange peel diet, (laughs) and, you know, it's so much buffoonery out there. <laughs> True. So normally whenever I hear about a detox or a challenge within the wellness industry, I kind of immediately give the stink eye. It's like, okay, oh, goodness, what is it now? <laughs> yeah. You have people licking, like, pencil erasers for a part of a diet or something. <laughs> just. But can you talk about some of the detoxes and challenges and courses that you have and just kind of highlight exactly the purpose of them. So I, I know that I've gone on a couple of rants against a lot of those diets and challenges, but I want people to understand why I'm so supportive of what it is that you're doing. So can you please share some of those? Yeah, absolutely. I actually, I will tell you, I don't have a detox and that's very purposeful because uh, detoxes scare me. Um, I have never been on a detox my entire life, even as a cancer survivor. I've never detoxed, like said, I'm going on a detox. I've never done that. Um, And that comes from a naturopath that I had early on that uh, just told me, you know, your body is already uh, in an emergency mode with the cancer that you have. So if you put it further into emergency mode, then it's not good for you. And I was like, oh, my gosh, that makes so much sense. So I don't have any detoxes. But what I do have, I do have a kitchen detox, but it's not a personal, like, physical detox. It's a detox of your mindset about your kitchen. So, yeah, so this is where it differs. And I think this is probably why it's something that you might support because or you do support because of this. So I have Kitchenatomy. It's a 10 step kitchen detox and I call it a detox, but it's really a detox of your mindset about your kitchen because I you said it earlier and I love it when people recognize this. Our kitchen, we feel like our kitchen is a workspace, right? We go into our kitchen and we go, oh, this is work. I have to, I have to shop. I have to prepare. I have to cook. And then dreaded of all dreads, I have to clean. Yep. I have to clean. (laughs) So, and then after that comes, I have to take the garbage out. I mean, so everything feels like a chore. It feels like that we are doing work. And so 
Um, so the detox is really about the mindset and we talk about what are your challenges? You know, where, what, what thing do you hate the most? And I attack several of them and help you start changing your mindset. Um, we talk about decluttering of the kitchen. We talk about physical detoxification of the kitchen in the way that getting out cleaning products that are not good for you. There's a whole chapter dedicated to that and using glass instead of plastic and, you know, things like that. But um, looking in your pantry and looking at the spices and going, okay, that's three years old and I've never used that. I probably don't need that. You know, so just being, it's really a mindful practice. It's really 10 steps so that you're mindful about your kitchen. And it, and I will tell you, everybody who has been through the class is like, I have, I have a new relationship with my kitchen. I can't wait to get home and get in my kitchen. I'm like, because it's not work anymore. It's pleasure. You find pleasure and healing your body. You find pleasure in feeling better. And so, and that starts in the kitchen. So I have that. And then I do have a challenge that's coming out this summer called 27 day real food challenge. And that's just, um, that's, that is, it's not just, it is, a, it's really a challenge to get you out of the boxes and bags and drive throughs and cans and bottles and pouches and all of those things, um, and get you into eating more real food. Um, again, not beating you over the head, you know, not beating you over the head because you love Cheerios and you want Cheerios for breakfast, but getting you to be mindful about getting more real food along with and maybe changing habits, you know, with the other things that you're already doing. So just being conscious about it. That's really what all everything I do is, is about being mindful, you know, taking taking stock and going, hey, wait a second, I need a change there. And that's an easy change. I can do that. So, yeah. So that's what those are the those are the two programs that uh, we have right now. So super excited about them. It's um, yes. Love them. <laughs> that's exactly what it was i was trying to remember what it was uh just because it, it felt odd to me that there was a detox that i was uh i was in support of and i couldn't <laughs> exactly remember exactly what it was like she said something that it was a detox and i was like man that is a great idea like that's pretty cool and then of course my brain became a, a sift i was like but there's a detox that she does that uh I like, and I don't remember what it was, yeah, but yeah. I'm glad you said that. And it, has, it makes a lot of sense. So a lot of people have a lot of old things inside their pantry, their refrigerator, and it is, because a lot of people buy on a whim. Uh, they've gone on Pinterest, and they saw this recipe, and they bought all these ingredients and all these things of that nature, and the recipe came out a little bit worse than what it was supposed to. <laughs> and so it's kind of left it back there, and yeah. it just uh, it just stays there. So that, it makes so much sense. Yeah, I'm we, glad you, we cover I'm meal glad. planning. We cover, you know, we cover all of these. We, we talk about the seven healthy habits of, of a healthy kitchen, you know, the tools that you need. I mean, we we really I really cover in 10 short classes, actually. Um, and it's self-paced, which is awesome because you don't have to, like, show up to a class or whatever. But um, I we cover all of that. And, and it is it is it is designed to get you to fall in love with your kitchen and then eventually yourself. If you can fall in love with your kitchen, you'll fall in love with yourself. So, yeah. Yeah. Bridge all together. <laughs> yep. I, I want to kind of pick your brain just a little bit uh, for this last question. Um, of course, as an entrepreneur, one of the biggest things that makes us an entrepreneur is that we've identified a problem and we have a solution. That's just kind of like the foundation of entrepreneurship. Mm -hmm. But there's always something, especially in the wellness industry, that irritates us, that, that just kind of 
pokes at our nerves. And, and it's, it's just because we're really passionate about what we do. Uh, we love helping people. We love looking at the body as a temple, an art piece. And a lot of times I refer to the body as a canvas. Um, of course, as me as a personal trainer, because sure. that's what I'm doing. I'm molding. But um, there are some things out there that will kind of, every time you look at it, you just can't help but cringe. And for me, I really hate misinformation. I hate it with a passion. I hate going to um, a fitness professionals or a, a fitness spokesperson, <laughs> should I call them, uh, going to their page and especially they have a massive following and they're sharing just bogus information. They're just giving out so much bum scoop and you have hundreds of thousands of people who are just flocking to it. And to me, it's just like a, a contagious disease, misinformation, just a contagious disease. And a lot of people are catching it because you have these influential people who are sharing it. And long story short, it puts a lot of work on the, those of us who actually invest the time and some research and studying and we're really passionate about it. It puts more work for us on the back end because now we have to go back and fix it. <laughs> right. So it just um, so all that being said, there's a few other little pet peeves I have within the industry. But are there any that you have? Are there any are there any things that you scroll through social media? You're going down your timeline or things that you will hear uh, that really agitate you. And whenever you come across these things, how do you tie that into your message and what are you hoping that people will stop doing? All right. Like, for example, just my last example, uh, for me, I want people to uh, <laughs> stop just eating healthy. All right. Uh, that's one of the things that I ping on really hard. So a lot of times in my message, uh, if you're listening to my episodes, I talk a lot about don't just eat healthy. I count the calories that you're taking in, count your macros, like understand exactly how much you're taking in, because you can, in fact, overeat healthy food while you're trying to eat, lose weight, put yourself in a caloric surplus, and you're trying to figure out why you're eating healthy, but you're still not losing any weight. Sure. So that's one of the biggest things that I try to like really drive home with people, and that's one of the things that kind of irks me. So all that being said, are there any things that you notice that really irk you and you try to tie into your message for your listeners and just your students or anybody? I have to tell you, I'm not very outspoken about this because I, I always believe in being um, a light and never being darkness, but I love this question. Um, yeah, I, that's my that's actually my mantra is please let me be light into dark spaces and never darkness into light spaces. And so I am, I'm super conscious about that. So I'm not, you're getting an exclusive here because I don't do this very often. So, uh, <laughs> but I don't rail a lot, although I do rail to my husband a lot, but I don't rail <laughs> in public a lot. So, um, but I think probably one of my biggest, uh, I have two actually, one is, um, uh, food marketing how we market food. So people automatically equate. In fact, there's a study out that shows that um, green packaging, the color green, is associated with healthy food. So food marketers go in and they put everything in green, right? And we go, oh, well, that's green. It must be good for us without ever looking at a label. (laughs) The next time you're in a convenience store, look at the um, Snicker bar. Look at a Snicker bar and you will see that the label is now green. And I'm not kidding you. 
Oh, yeah, the, the nutritional label is green. So, um, but it, so there's a study that says that. So food marketing and perceptions is so confusing. And I am constantly unraveling the confusion behind food marketing. And people think that gluten-free equals guilt-free, right? GF, yeah, gluten-free. Yeah, GF, guilt-free. And it's not true. And so I'm so with you on the fact that um, you can't just you can't just pick something and go, oh, well, this is good for me because it says right here on the package that it's natural and I'm automatically going to magically lose weight if I eat this. I mean, it's crazy town. So um, so I'm constantly trying to unravel that. And part of the second part of that is um, sweeteners. Um, the you know, there's a huge and you can you may disagree with me on this and that's okay but um there is a huge you know um there's everybody's talking about you know sugar causes cancer and sugar causes this and sugar causes that and salt causes this and you can't eat salt and don't salt and blah 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 you know don't eat butter don't eat this and that kind of thing makes me nuts because honestly if you're eating real whole foods right if you're eating real whole foods you're not eating processed sugar anyway you're not eating white sugar because it doesn't taste good on most whole real foods <laughs> you don't need it you don't need to add that flavor back in because the food that you're eating already has enough flavor you know fruits have enough flavor for you you don't you you start breaking that addiction and so um so the 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 sweeteners like you know the stevias and the different kinds of sugars that are coming out of the woodwork now you know that people are like oh this is good for you and you know whatever that stuff is so confusing and honestly i'd rather you just break the habit of sugar completely than trying to find a substitute because really at that point you're trading one habit for another habit. And so I think now just helping people break those stigmas of people this I guarantee you on my live broadcast almost every single time I get the question, what do you think about stevia? And then I have to go into, well, what are you using it for? You know, and if you're using it to substitute sugar for something else like in your coffee or whatever, then you're just trading a sugar habit for another kind of habit. So just break the habit, you know, break, work on breaking the entire habit instead of trying to substitute. So that's, those are, those are the things that I get most worked up about. Um, and then, and then, you know, people just assuming that if something says natural or unprocessed or anything like that, that it's automatically good for you. So yeah. And, and the food marketers, I mean, I, I would love to have a sit down with food marketers sometime in the future and say, what are you doing? (laughs) I know, but here's the other thing too. I will tell you, Derek, and this one more rub and then I'm, then I'm done. See, you get me started. Then I go. (laughs) So one more rub. And that is, um, that is people letting someone else drive their car, drive their bus, take control of what they're eating. Prepackaged foods that have organic stamped on them, that have, you know, um, whatever, you know, hey, this is good for you. I swear to you, they could probably just put on there, hey, this is good for you. And everybody go, hey, this is good for me. And they would buy it. That kind of thing drives me up a wall and trying to derail that thought process of, you know, this particular brand is a whole food organic brand, but it's still in a can or it's still in the freezer or it's still somewhere, you know, with a bunch of other ingredients. 
those things are not whole real foods. I don't care how much food marketing and how great they make it sound. Whole real foods do not have a label on them. They do not have a ingredient list. So <laughs> you don't even need to worry about ingredient lists if you're eating whole real foods. So, and you can use a little bit of sugar, you know, not processed sugar, but, you know, using a honey or something like that. You can use a little bit of that. You can use a, you can use salt when you're not eating processed foods. That's my favorite secret. If you don't eat processed foods, you can eat salt. What? It's awesome. I love that. So, yeah. So those are the things that, you know, that I'm, that I'm constantly battling and constantly trying to help people understand, um, you know, and I mean, the whole not eating any grains, you know, stripping grains out of your diet, not a fan, stripping every bit of dairy out of your diet, not a huge fan, unless you have some uh, some disease or some reaction to it, not a huge fan of that. Um, so I'm, you know, it's again, it's that black or white. Don't live in the black and white. Live down the middle. Rant over. I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so glad you brought up the food marketing thing. That drives me batty, too. I used to, uh, just being me, just with my dry sense of humor, I used to joke around about the whole gluten-free thing. And, of course, there are some people out there who, well, there was a period of time where doctors were actually in support of uh, gluten-free foods for people who had celiac and uh, if they had, um, what's another one, fructose malabsorption or if they had thyroid issues, right. Um, right. things of that nature, they would encourage them to go with more of a gluten-free. So, uh, of course, with wellness, it's all going to come back down to science, and scientists disagree with one another. So it really comes down to uh, pretty much uh, who you're going to go with. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. uh, what, which one do you feel has more credibility and which one do you think is best for you, which is so unfortunate because there's nothing that's just – solid but you can kind of pinpoint that with anything within just science period well trying to put a cap on human right on the human condition on the human life when we're all completely different trying to put a big blanket over all of us and say this is the way it should be is an impossibility you can't do that yes. the only diet that i really love is the um is is an elimination diet to find out what makes you feel like excuse me crap and what makes you feel good <laughs> I so do, yeah, I do like that. I do like that mentality of that, you know, of of going through a small period of time, not a long period of time, but like a four week regimen or something and eliminating certain things out of your diet and seeing if you feel better when you are not eating those things. Because quite frankly, I can eat gluten fine. I don't eat a lot of it, but I can eat gluten fine. I can have dairy fine. It doesn't bother me. But some people, it irritates them. You know, it irritates their gut. And so, but it's it's all about knowing your body. So that's the only type of diet that, uh, and it's incredibly temporary that I'm in favor of, of just you know figuring out what your body works well with and what doesn't work well in your body. So yeah, I'm in total support of that. I used to joke around about it. you could slap gluten free on just about anything and people buy it. It's uh, true. <laughs> even things that never had gluten from the beginning. I know, right? <laughs> like dude it never had gluten and all of a sudden they slap gluten free on there and i like, guess flying off the shelves but that's really crazy but well, i'm really glad you brought those are some really good points and i would have never thought that the food marketing thing would be a pet peeve of anybody's and now that you bring it up and i think about a lot of the other fitness professionals and wellness professionals that i, I speak with just on the podcast and in general a lot of people it all comes back down to being pretty much pissed off at the way 
uh, everything is being uh, put out there because a lot of people don't want to go and do the research. They see these uh, words on the back of uh, uh, packages and you know they're like 27 letters long with one vowel. Nobody wants to go and research exactly what that right? is. It's, it's back to the addiction to convenience. We're addicted to exactly. somebody else doing the work for us. Oh, man, that is so true. Yeah. Uh, this has been a really cool podcast. I, I enjoyed you so much. I just want to, before we close out, I really want you to let all the listeners know uh, where they can find more information about you and what type of things you have available where they can benefit from it. So if you would please. Yeah, so uh, go to kitchens.com on all social media. It's G-O, the number two kitchens, plural, dot com. Every social media on the planet, it's there. I promise you can find me. And if you can't find me, let me know, and I'll be there. Um, and the website is gotokitchens.com, of course. Um, and then I think my favorite thing, my favorite tool that people can access for absolutely free is um, I do a, a daily broadcast on Periscope, uh, which is an app. And I do a daily broadcast there at noon Mountain Time. It's every weekday at noon Mountain Time. And we pick a subject, and we go through the subject for the entire week. And, uh, and we decode it and we, we demystify and we, you know, we make it where you totally understand what gluten is and what kind of oils you should be eating. And I could go on and on. We've been, I've been doing this for almost a year. So, um, so we've covered a lot of subjects and, um, and it's super interactive and the audience there is so nice and so supportive. My audience is like totally supportive of one another. So, um, so yes, I would love it if you would join me there and thank you so much for having me. This has been a pleasure and so much fun and I love finding somebody else who thinks like I do. <laughs> I know, it's coming to rarity. It's definitely a joy for me as well. And I really hope that at some point we could connect again on a podcast and, you know, as time progresses, we all learn different things and we implement different ideas that we've picked up on just through research and just input from, uh, from our clients, from our viewers, and from our listeners. And we start implementing those things, and I would love to come back and even possibly get uh, Andrea on the show as well. And I have a really good friend. Uh, he owns a gym. Uh, his name is CJ, CJ Woodruff. Uh, very, very, uh, very well-informed guy. He's all about sharing information and demystifying nutrition. So I think it'll be pretty cool just to have... If, if not a podcast episode, well, at least uh, some type of um, webcast of some sort. Yeah. So I think that will be pretty cool. Yeah, I love it. Well, thank you again so much, Leslie. I can't thank you enough. I'm glad that we finally connected and we got this done. Yeah. I'm so excited about the listeners hearing it. Thank you so much. I really hope you enjoyed the interview. I told you it's going to be enjoyable. Leslie is an incredible person. I told you she had a really powerful story and outlook on life, period. So... I'm glad that you stuck around and you listened to her. I know I listened to it a couple of times before I even posted this podcast. I really enjoy listening to her. And I, I really want to thank you for tuning into this episode of the podcast. I really hope you enjoyed it. And I do have a little gift for you. I have a free fitness ebook I want to give you just for tuning in today. As a five-day training split, nutrition tips, and myth busters. Four exercises that you can complete in less than 10 minutes. And it also has an accountability tracker because we always need those things to keep us on track. Now, if you're on a fitness journey, it'll help you get started in the right direction. If you want it, just simply text free plan, F-R-E-E-P-L-A-N to the number 44222 and follow the two simple prompts. It's really, really easy. Once again, that's free plan to 44222 and I'll get that right over to you. 
If you enjoyed this episode of the Total Health Evolution Podcast, please do me a favor and share it with your friends. Also, make sure you go out there and check out Go-To Kitchens. And also make sure that you subscribe to be notified of future episodes. Until next time, take care.